You are listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. No Place for an Entomologist by Tabitha Jean on AO3. Rating, General Audiences. One room. One room in this whole hotel. One room in the entire five-mile radius of the airport. Actually, that's not a verified fact. But after checking with four different hotels, it sure feels that way. All the airport hotels are full, thanks to the sudden mass exodus escaping the killer cockroaches. Which wouldn't have mattered, except their flight was canceled. At least the room, the very last hotel room in the whole wide world, has two large welcoming double beds. Scully shrugs off her suit jacket, kicks it into the corner. No point in hanging it up. She may need to burn it. All she wants to do is slide into bed and get the day over with. But she's sure she can still smell dung. It wafts every time her hair moves. Well, this is nice, Mulder exclaims, dropping their bags. Complimentary sparkling water and fruit. From now on, this sets the bar for work travel. Though this isn't work travel. Ever the pendant, Scully can't help herself. This is your personal weekend away. If it's not a work trip, then what are you doing here? Mulder asks. She smirks back at him, wondering exactly the same thing herself. You just watch, Scully. I'll get this room free on expenses. My bed's the one by the window. I'm going to shower. Again. The hotel has actual brand toiletries. Scully scalds her skin in the shower for a full 20 minutes, soaping and re-soaping. They had showered before they left in Mulder's previous motel room, but the yellow tiles and bleach mold there hadn't inspired confidence. While she was trying to burn her skin fresh, Mulder had ordered food. She can't wait to enjoy her Greek salad and fries in bed watching TV. For her, that's the height of personal care. It reminds her of those twilight days after her abduction, before she returned to work, when she was just waking up to the colors of the world again, and all she could manage was a walk into the kitchen and back. Thanks for the food. Don't mention it. His eyes don't leave the TV screen. They have ESPN. She fluffs up her pillows and sits, immediately sliding to the floor as the bed structure gives out under her. The entire left side has collapsed. Whoa, Scully. Mulder helps her up, and she surveys the runaway olives and oil-stained pillows. Spilled fries mark her outline like a crime scene. It's all right, she mutters, wiping her mayonnaise-covered fingers on the napkin. I'll just go to the other side. Don't be ridiculous, Mulder says. The whole bed is sloped now. You'll just roll off it and into the food. Well, thank you for that entirely constructive input, Mulder, she snaps. In her mind, she hears Melissa teasing her. Whoa, Dana, covered in shit and breaking your bed? I guess that's what you get for blindly following him around the country. On a Saturday, the universe is saying no. Scully still can't work out why she dropped everything to join him. She arrived just as the case resolved itself, taking her dignity along with it. She'd been more used from her living room floor the night before. Sorry, I'm just hungry. No biggie. He gestures for her to sit on the other side of his bed. Room enough for two. She sneaks one or two of his fries until he wordlessly slides the plate across to her. She shrinks down the bed, finally feeling clean and comfortable. God, 
I'm ready to get out of here, Mulder sighs, during halftime. Too many bugs. Your flirtation with entomology peaked a little prematurely. Yeah, and I've usually got the stamina for good performance, too. He winks and finishes his beer. I'm sorry. She seemed nice, smart. If we ever need to know about insects, well, we know who to call. Do I detect a hint of sarcasm? Not at all, Scully says, her neck prickling. Just sticking up for the fellow female scientist. Are you sure, Mulder chuckles? Ah, to be honest, Bambi was a little too reductive. In what regard? Eat, sleep, defecate, procreate. That's her high-level summary of human existence. I doubt she'd have the stomach for my pontification about the layered essence of human nature. You know, Mulder, she's not wrong, Scully says. The limbic system will override the neurocortex anytime it needs to. You yourself would have studied Maslow's hierarchy of needs. What she suggests isn't entirely different. As a species, we take care of our immediate biological and safety needs, and those protective instincts will always take precedence over everything else. Only then are we free to focus on self-actualization. It's how we are designed. Yeah, but you see what you did there, Scully. You linked it to a wider context, as a tool to help achieve higher function. What happens outside the realm of basic human survival? What's pushing us onwards? What makes us build a boat from nothing more than a few pieces of wood and sail to lands anew? Without those questions, we'd never find the boy who can summon lightning like a snake charmer or the town that mistakenly thinks they can prolong life through cannibalism. That's what I'm interested in, the outer limits, not the mundane. And I know that's what really gets you going too. Without those instincts to climb higher, push farther, Bambi is right. All we do is eat, sleep, shit, and fuck. Charmingly put, she says wirely. Plus, you'd be called Fox and Bambi. Reason enough for both personal and professional distance. True. Scully and Mulder has a much nicer ring to it. Her cheeks flush. She's surprised herself. She's considered herself a champion of women. So why was she trying to undermine Dr. Berenbaum? So, what shall we do about the sleeping arrangements? She asks, briskly trying to move the conversation on. What do you mean? I think there are three options. One, I sleep on the other bed. Two, I sleep on the floor. Or three, we top to tail. My preference would be the second. Or we could both sleep in the bed. I don't think so, she says, shaking her head. Sharing a room is one thing, but isn't the bed a step too far? It's big enough for both of us. He stuffs some pillows along the middle. See, we can have a barrier to stop you from starfishing in the middle of the night. It's really not a big deal. I don't want to be an inconvenience. Besides, I grew up camping. This is nothing. Scully, I can't have you sleeping on the floor, he says slowly and clearly. And I don't want to sleep on the floor or in that broken bed or with your feet right next to my face. This makes the most sense and no one will ever know. She pauses but can't find fault in his arguments. You're right. Thank you, Mulder. He returns the pillows to the rightful place. And just at that moment, her nose crinkles at the familiar, slightly sweet stench of excrement. It can't be. Of course it's not. But she knows she won't be able to relax until it's addressed. Hey, Mulder. Hmm? 
What do you think about showering before bed? What? I showered already. Look, I know it's just no factory hallucination. Probably. But I'd feel better if you just washed your hair again. Are you serious? I wish I weren't, she says sheepishly. But what's the harm in washing again? Do you really want to risk going to sleep with fecal matter in your hair, transferring it onto your pillow? God damn it, Scully. Mulder head towards the bathroom. Now I don't. Scully relaxes without Mulder in the room, and she ponders why. Her objective had been to make sure Mulder was safe and to help solve the case. However, that's not entirely true, she realizes. Her brain tries to override this with reassurances. Of course it's true. There's nothing else to it. She ignores them and pushes towards the more uncomfortable line of thought. She had been jealous. Her decision to leap out of bed and call the 24-7 airline ticketing number had been made after she learned that Dr. Berenbaum was assisting. He obviously needed a partner and she wasn't there. God, what a cliche. And Mulder knows, of course he does. A ramification of having a psychologist for a partner. He appears in a cloud of lavender steam and she refuses to allow herself the minute pleasure of running her eyes over his trimmed torso as he sits beside her. Feel better, she asks brightly. Do you? I do, actually, she murmurs, through a smile. Now we're both peachy clean. Picking up the remote, he pauses. This isn't going to be too weird, is it? His voice is low and kind. I don't want you to feel uncomfortable. I'm perfectly happy to sleep on the floor, you know. She shakes her head. I'm not uncomfortable. And I appreciate your concern. I'm sorry you're having to share your bed. All I've seemed to do here is complicate things. Are you kidding? Scully, look at what happens when I'm let loose on my own. I end up chasing killer cockroaches and gain us both covered in shit. Who knows how much worse it could have been if you hadn't shown up? Well, that's kind of you to say. Scully can't meet his eyes, staring at the muted sports game instead. Reassurance dissolves the doubt in her mind. She kicks him playfully. And you'd better keep your long legs on your side of the bed. Switching off her bedside lamp, she cocoons herself under the covers while Mulder turns up the volume. No, this doesn't feel weird. This feels cozy and normal. She tells herself not to be so defensive next time. The one thing both she and Mulder can rely on is the strength of their partnership. A chance meeting with local support, whether that's law enforcement or, God forbid, another entomologist, won't come close to upsetting their balance. As she drifts off to sleep to a low lullaby of football commentary, she hears Melissa's voice once more. It would take a huge cosmic event to threaten the connection that you two have. If you like this story and would like to contribute, you can do so by going to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash audio fanfic pod. As a patron, you are granted early access to one new story of your choosing per month. Thank you for listening. And remember, the stories are out there.